Well, thank you once again for joining us on Inside EMS, the internationally recognized Inside EMS, as we are now heard in 100 countries. Kelly Grayson, and this episode of Inside EMS is sponsored by Echo. Core stethoscope technology by Echo helps EMS providers make confident split-second decisions in the most challenging environments by enhancing stethoscope sound. Learn more at echohealth.com. That's E-K-O-Health.com. Kelly Grayson, come on in here. Let's get this show started. Let's inform, let's entertain, and let's persuade that audience of ours. Yep, yep. Man, uh, internationally recognized. Uh, that's that's cool. Uh, is, is that when, when someone passes you on the street and says, hello, do I know you? You know, I think that if we were in those countries, they may say that. It's really interesting. It's really horrible British accent I can do. Well, I know it is pretty horrible, but you have a have a pretty horrible Louisiana accent too. But (laughs) um, you know, it was really interesting. I was at uh, EMS Expo in early October, and uh, I wasn't taking any classes. I was just kind of uh, hanging out and going to some meetings that I needed to attend. And uh, there were a couple people, it was like two or three people came up to me and said, hey, are you Chris Saballero? I was like, well, yes, I am. I don't owe you any money, do I? And they were like, no, but, you know, we listen to Inside EMS and, you know, we appreciate what you and Kelly Grayson. Yeah, so it was really kind of interesting. So, you know, when you kind of joke about, uh, you know, is that where people say, you know, hello, Governor? But uh, there are people out there that are that follow the show that they are you know, fans of the show and, you know, kind of recognizing us. And we really need to, you know, kind of get to some of these conferences and do the show. Actually, we were trying to get up there to Connecticut and uh, do our Inside EMS podcast uh, from the conference there in Connecticut and just had some problems with, yeah. um, you know, some Logistics. schedules and stuff. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, it, you know, it was kind of cool that, you know, we get to do the show and we get to uh, mm-hmm. share our knowledge and we get to hopefully entertain, as I mentioned. And, but it's nice when people recognize us to say you guys do great work. Yeah, yeah, it is. And that, you know, uh, uh, Nancy says of our our international correspondent uh, Rob Lawrence. Her her nickname for him is Robin Leach. She says she says they they sound exactly the same and and they have the same initials. Coincidence or something more? You know, you never seen Robin Leach and Robin and Rob Lawrence in the same room. That's right. That? I- I'd like him to. I'd like him to to get on with us one day and go. Hi, lifestyles of the rich and famous. That's funny, but uh, <laughs> I think I think Rob's a little bit more sophisticated than Rob. Yeah, Beach, just but, uh, just a wee bit more. He is, and uh, we send our thoughts to him as uh, he hasn't been around on our show for a while. Rob, come on, let's go. Let's get back here. But uh, Kelly, you know, we we get uh, a lot of. Uh, requests uh, a lot of thoughts about shows and we did our show last week on your Mm -hmm. uh you know going through the disability and we got a couple of emails from people who says you know i'm in the same boat you know kelly is uh, doing okay compared to my situation and if there's ever an opportunity to come on and share uh, what i had to go through and i think maybe we'll think about that in the future if we find that this is a topic that we need to get back to is bringing some of the other folks that have been on right but uh just kind of an interesting show yeah, and we we had a commenter on the uh, EMS One Facebook page who was uh, who's going through a similar deal. He's he's feeling kind of lost right now. So um, you know who you are, brother, and, and uh, if you're listening, uh, we're we're with you. And if you need to reach out, uh, 
and need a shoulder to cry on or an angry voice to, uh, uh, to, uh, commiserate with you. We're here. Yeah. And I think that one of the things when we did the show, we didn't really know how it was going to be received. And, but uh, it really kind of did hit a nerve with the people who Mm. are either going through it or have never thought that they may experience it, Kelly, but you know, the, the, this, this was a really uh, interesting topic and uh, I want to just thank you for sharing it because it was very personal for you. And, uh, but today we want to go and talk about the news because that was some of the other things that we uh, got in our email. You guys don't do news anymore. And and one of the reasons we don't is we try to create shows that are evergreen that uh, three years from now, if you listen to it, it would have some value, but there are some of the stories that I think that we can talk about. And I'm going to go ahead and give you the first one, which I think that go back to the tools of our, you know, the, the tools that help you to become a better EMS provider. And this actually comes from our very own Kelly Grayson, the top 10 apps to make you a better EMT, whether it's navigating a pediatric resuscitation or to the ED entrance that blocks away from the hospital's posted address. These apps should be on every EMT smartphone. And Kelly, you went ahead and, uh, did a great job of kind of outlining some of these tools. And, you know, one of the things that we don't do is we don't share our tips and tools, I think enough with the people who were there, but you kind of uh, listed 10. I just want to go ahead and I'll read them off really quick. Mm -hmm. I won't go through them all, but then I'll ask your opinion. If that, uh, you know, you were going to pick one or two of these, which one would you pick? But the Kindle app, other e-readers for smartphones. And when we think about, you know, protocols and things like that, a good language translator app. Oh my mm-hmm. God, Kelly, that's great advice. The emergency response guidebook, a good medical calculator or conversion app, oxygen tank duration, really oxygen tank duration, medical reference yeah, app. All right, we'll get, we'll get there. A pediatric emergency medical reference, uh, a good podcast or streaming app. I don't see, oh, you do put inside EMS in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, a good navigation app. Shouldn't that be on your, uh, Shouldn't that be on your MDT or whatever? And a good (laughs) EMS or critical care pocket guide. Yeah. Um, So I I think that they're great. uh, I think that they're great uh, suggestions. Really oxygen duration. What the heck's that about? Oh, dude, uh, you never got on your, you never got on the ambulance at at shift change and, and get a call right at shift change. And you haven't had a chance to check everything that you're, uh, uh, all your truck inventory and you find out you, your M tanks on 500, <laughs> you know, your onboard oxygen is at 500. And, and our, our protocol is to change those out when, when the tank pressure reaches 500, but you know, on an M cylinder, uh, you can run a non rebreather for <laughs> several hours nonstop, you know, on, on 500, uh, PSI. Um, I can make a short vent- across town ventilator trip, several of them, uh, on 500 PSI. So, you know, it's nice, especially when we had vents, uh, and we could, we could calculate our, what our FIO2 was, uh, uh, running and, and the vent settings and, and calculate how long one would run out if we got caught where we, we couldn't, uh, make sure we had a a full oxygen tank on so it's it's handy it's uh, extremely handy you don't use it very often but when you do use it it's nice it's kind of like a, a fire extinguisher or a or a firearm you hope you have never have to use it but when you really need it you really really need it 
And I heard you dissing our, uh, our, my, my navigation app, man. You, you apparently don't use the same mapping program that comes with, uh, comes with our, uh, dispatch system. It's, it's horrific. It's absolutely and utterly horrific. We, we complain to our, uh, um, our supervisors all the time about our mapping program. Uh, I think the, the running joke is, is that somewhere deep in the, in the bowels of, uh, of the board EMS headquarters that there's a dispatch server, uh, with, uh, the navigation app on it. And it's, it's got all the boxes ticked for, um, uh, take most circuitous route possible, uh, navigate through all ghettos, <laughs> you know, it just, um, give, give turn by turn directions, 100 yards after the exit, that sort of thing. Um, it's, it, uh, it, it, as a matter of fact, it only, it doesn't update on the fly, uh, your route, uh, like say, you know, Google maps or Magellan or Garmin or one of those would do. Uh, what it does is, is as soon as you leave the route, it tells you to take the very next turn to make the block and go back to the point where you left the route. It doesn't recalculate you a new wrap on uh, new route on the, on the fly. And, uh, so it's nice to have a, a good one that actually has some, some better, uh, better, uh, route processing algorithms and such. What do you use ways? Uh, I use ways. Uh, I also use Google maps, but, uh, I, I also use ways. And, and the nice thing is, is, is ways and Google maps and, and those type of, uh, things can, are programmed to, uh, to, to give us uh, traffic conditions as well. You know, for example, during the, during the Baton Rouge floods, uh, a few years back, I had some patients I had to to transport to New Orleans through that area. And uh, were it not for ways, I'd have been st- well. The first time I was stuck uh, in a traffic jam of of people who were trying to get through some flooded interstate for, which added an hour to my already long trip. Uh, and um, because I relied on on dispatch information to tell me. Uh, what was going on out there and, and, you know, somebody went on a break and, and, uh, didn't, didn't inform me. So I use ways the rest of the time for all the rest of the trips. And I said, okay, you know, this section of interstate 10 is two feet underwater, take this alternate route, so on and so forth. So it helped a lot. Very interesting. And as you end the uh, article, you talk about the, uh, anybody out there that has any other apps that you're using, that you think would be great to go ahead and share them on the Facebook page on the link to the show. And, uh, there are some great, uh, things that are out there that we may be missing Kelly, that uh, mm-hmm. would be beneficial to our EMS peer. So yeah. what, uh, what kind of story you got for us comes out of Dallas, Dallas fire rescue, uh, on video shows a Dallas fire rescue paramedic kicking a homeless man several times in the head. Uh, newly released video shows a paramedic uh, kicking a homeless man several times in the head before police arrived at the scene, according to the Dallas Observer, which obtained the video. Uh, there is a link to it. Dallas Fire Rescue has put the paramedic on administrative leave since the video surfaced. Uh, but uh, this this uh, firefighter paramedic uh, who has training in mixed martial arts has a history of disciplinary matters dating back to 2016. And, and it brings to mind something that Nancy's fond of saying is, you know, when, when we have issues like this, when we have these, these kind of situations, they didn't occur out of the blue, you know, 
somebody didn't get on the box and, and, and decide I'm going to be a crappy paramedic and kick the hell out of somebody today. Uh, it's it, something like that has, has been brewing or has, has manifested itself in other ways before. And rarely is it a, a, uh, a brand new, uh, sign. So, uh, not surprising at all, but, but distressing nonetheless that, uh, that somebody could lose it and, uh, attack a patient. Yeah, and first off, we want to say that this has no bearing on the Dallas Fire Department. No, no. Uh, a lot of times, it can a lot of times, any. yeah, a lot of times when we hear these things, you know, we kind of turn the blind eye to the agency. I'm sure that there are people down there in the uh, Dallas Fire Department that are just as appalled as we are that this mm-hmm. would happen. And uh, but as you mentioned, I mean, we've got to be able to look at some of those bad folks that don't really have the compassion that don't really have the temperament that don't really have the patience to be in this job. And, uh, you know, uh, certainly we've had patients that we've needed to use some, um, restraint on in our careers. But, you know, when you kick somebody several times in the head, um, that's just, uh, hatred. And, uh, those folks don't need to be in our career field, uh, at all. And, um, but, you know, I mean, we've got to be able to, uh, you know, step up, you know, I, I, I believe yeah. that when you are in an ambulance and Kelly, you and I are doing our business, my job is to protect you. My job mm-hmm. is to, my job is to have your back. Uh, my yeah. job is to talk about the things that I don't appreciate in your, you know, in your, uh, responsibilities that I may say, mm-hmm. you know, when we're on scene, I didn't appreciate that and don't ever do it again. Uh, or there may be an issue between us, um, you know, we have to be able to take a stand in um, abuse. We've got to be yes. able to take a stand in people who just don't have the temperament for this job. And I'm all for protecting you and I'm all for having you having your back, but not when you cross an ethical line yeah. that could compromise the integrity of me as your partner as well. Because one of the things that I would do as an EMS leader, if I found out that there was unprofessionalism on a call, and then I found out that the partner knew about it, Mm -hmm. and something that was so egregious, I would hold them just as accountable. That's proof that the cultural... Uh, that the, the cultural rot has spread to other apples uh, right. and, and not saying that there's cultural rot at, at Dallas fire. This, this has happened in a number of services and everyone who, and, and at those services uh, who sees it is, is appalled as well. But uh, it, unfortunately it still happens, you know? Right. All right. Well, let's go ahead. We're, we believe it or not, Kelly, we're at that point of our first break. So why don't you go ahead and let's talk about echo core stethoscope. Core stethoscope technology by Echo with active noise cancellation and up to 40 times amplification helps EMS providers assess hard to hear heart, lung, and other body sounds and even the loudest situations. I've tested the Echo Core technology. I use an Echo Core Littman stethoscope every day, and I can tell you that it is a game changer. It will help you hear things that you didn't think were possible to hear and you will love it if you try it learn more at echohealth.com that's ekohealth.com and use code ems1 for twenty dollars off yeah i gotta tell you i mean we've been talking about that for a few weeks now and i want to uh, get one and yeah, uh, you know yeah i mean i i think that uh, you know as i'm getting older i've had to uh, start wearing hearing aids now 
And uh, certainly that's something I can't do when I have a stethoscope in my ears. And it would be interesting yeah. to know how that's going to help. But, uh, you know, certainly $20 off helps as well. But, uh, you know, so let's go ahead and go back to our news stories, Kelly. And this one goes to a story that we were talking about a couple weeks back when we had the conversation well, I had the conversation, you were really being unreasonable about the <laughs> nurses that were being dismissed because of failure to take the COVID shot. News comes out of New York City now that the city will require police officers, firefighters, municipal workers, EMS folks to now get the COVID-19 shot or be placed on unpaid leave. And of course, the mayor is saying and giving the ultimatum to the public employees who refuse and ensure a fight with some of the unions representing them will occur. But this now goes back to the discussion. Are we prepared in an environment where we are short EMS providers to say, you get the vaccine, or if you don't, you're going on unpaid leave. How long will you be on unpaid leave before termination occurs? And this is really all city and municipal workers, even going to mm -hmm. the jailers out there on the world-famous Rikers Island. Um, but now how do you feel about this, Kelly Grayson? You know, um, it's, it's still a, a thorny issue ethically. Um, you, there's a balance to be struck between uh, who, you know, um, acknowledging that people have agency over their own body and what is done to it and uh, the greater interest of the public health. You know, the, there's precedent out there. We we the government has mandated smallpox vaccines in the past, and 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 uh, you know to to attend a public school these days for as long as I have been alive, you've had to have certain vaccinations. Uh, while it's true that you may issue those vaccinations and not get them, uh, the the lack of them prevents you from doing a lot of things that that our government provides us. Uh, uh, as far as public services, um, schools being one of them, uh, it's it's difficult, man. Uh, but I, I will say this: uh, it's ethically for me taking the vaccine is is the most ethical thing I can do because I'm taking it not for me, but for the people I work with and the people I work around. Uh, and that's what 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 many people don't understand because this issue has become so politicized and so uh, so polarized. Uh, I can only help that, that, uh, the FDNY workers who, uh, are reluctant, um, read some good science rather than what you can get on Facebook or Fox news or, or any other news outlet for that matter, uh, because it's not accurate. Uh, and they, they choose to get the shot. It's a, uh, you know, it's coming, it's coming. It's, we're going to wind up, uh, I'm not trying to make a prediction here, but it's going to become much more widespread where where agencies and hospitals and other healthcare facilities require this because one of the ways the government is, is going to try to mandate this vaccine is by making it a requirement of anyone who does uh, uh, business with the federal government. And if you accept Medicare and Medicaid through CMS, you are one of those people. And, and that's how they're going to push it. And, um, uh, you know, uh, we hope that, that uh, it doesn't exacerbate a staffing shortage that's already there, uh, but uh, that remains to be seen. We, we, hope, we, hope, we hope that it doesn't. Well, hope isn't a strategy. We know that it's going to. <laughs> You're right. And You're right. we need to be well, we hope to We can always hope that, that, that cooler heads prevail, you know? 
Yeah, but again, I mean, we go back to the same thing that I talked about with the nurses. We allow these people to do the work for all these things. And this isn't this isn't taking the measles vaccine. This isn't taking the mumps vaccine. This is somebody, whether they have good reason or whether they have inappropriate reason based on misinformation to say, I'm not comfortable doing this. They're still doing the job that we've asked them to do for all these months. And sometimes we've got to be able to say, where does the risk lie? And if you don't get the shot and I don't have the shot and I'm, you're taking care of me in that ambulance and I get COVID, that's my risk, right? Or if I do have the shot and you have the shot, you can still give me COVID without even showing symptoms of your own. And then there's so many other variables as well. But the people who are choosing not to do it, are they're picking up the dice and they're rolling them. Now, I will say that not getting the shot is going to precipitate the disease. And I just read an article on mm -hmm. CNN last evening that there is a variant of the Delta virus going on in the UK. They haven't named it yet, but they are starting to see it. And uh, now the Delta variant is starting to mutate into something else. Uh, we've got to be able to get to an end result here of how this virus goes away. Um, but I don't think it is about dismissing people who refuse to take a new vaccine that they may have concern about. But what do you got for us in, the, uh, in your next story? Well, we're, we're flipping the script the other way uh, and showing you the other side of, uh, of this. Uh, there's a story out of Bangor, Maine, that 90% of Maine paramedics have been fully vaccinated about, against COVID-19. Uh, and um, uh, one third of the state's EMS agencies are 100% vaccinated. So uh, uh, apparently the, the effort to, to the movement to vaccinate workers is moving, uh, moving ahead much better in, uh, in Maine. Uh, be interesting to see how they shake out. Uh, they note in the story that that uh, the requirement could squeeze some rural areas that have faced that are you know more more uh, um, affected by staffing shortages. But uh, we'll see how that goes. I think that that's you know I think that there are, again there are some agencies there are some people that are going to be all in. There are other peoples that need to mm -hmm. be um, you know need to be coaxed a little bit more. Yeah. And, uh, you know, good for Maine, man. Good for the folks up well, there that are setting the standards for others to follow. Well, this whole thing is, is you know, we're, I, I read an uh, article the other day that, that uh, posited that uh, we're not going to see uh, the end of this uh, within any reasonable time frame. We're going to start referring to this as the COVID era uh, and that sort of thing. And this will be a years long thing. Uh, the SARS was an era in in uh, uh, Canada and uh, is still part of their their uh, yearly pandemic coverage. Uh, that virus is still floating around, and, and COVID is going to be with us for quite some time to come. And and you mentioned why because there are there are uh, mutations of it, and and it being a retrovirus. Uh, 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 those are especially agile and, and adaptable and, and mutate quite quickly. This is why it's, you know, we haven't cured the common cold and we, uh, we haven't yet found a vaccine for AIDS so, or HIV rather. So interesting to see how it shakes out, but hopefully we will achieve a, a new normal that is somewhere close to our old normal. Yeah. So my story goes to uh, a story that was written um, earlier this week 
on Monday rooting out sexual harassment. And this was done by the folks over at Fitch and Associate Ambulance Service Manager course in the spring of 2021. And it talks about sexual misconduct in our career field. And I think that we have to remember to bring this topic up every now and again when it comes to sexual harassment, when it comes to bullying. And you really need to be able, if you're a leader, you really need to be able to understand the rules and the labor laws and the guidance that comes from the Equal Employment Opportunity Commission. As a paramedic, you know, we would do things and we would kind of, uh, you know, I'll use it the newer folks and, you know, make them go into the store for a left-handed smoke shifter or blinker fluid or (laughs) get a spare tire for the, get a spare tire for the stretcher, you know. Go get some fallopian uh, tubes out of the stock room. Yeah. I, when I was in the air force, I had to go down in the flight line and get uh, two gallons of prop wash. Um, and uh, so, or a um, roll of flight line. That's right. Go ahead and get me a roll of flight line. But one of the things that we've got to be able to think about is when we cross the line, I think that there's some fun that we need to do. I think that there's some hazing that we do with the new folks that come, especially when they're brand new into the field and uh, but when we get into the bullying when we get into the sexual harassment we really cross a line and we cross a line of unprofessionalism that is criminal and one of the things that we have to remember is in our early days of ems in the fire department in uh, standalone ems agencies you know we didn't have any um you know we just did what we did right and but as we grow as a career field And we're like any other career field, we've got to be able to measure and we've got to be able to manage and we have to be able to now do our job better and cleaner than the next guy. And I have seen, and I talk about a friend of mine who was, uh, all she wanted to do was be a firefighter. Mm -hmm. And she got sucked up into the vortex of sexual harassment by a battalion chief. And she now started the process of complaining about it. And she went to the chief and uh, the battalion chief and the chief were somebody that went back to the academy days. And they really kind of blackballed my friend that all she ever wanted to be was a firefighter. And now she's doing great after all these years of almost 20 of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, working in the financial world, uh, probably is making well more than we are. <laughs> yeah, stacking more dead presidents than uh, you know she ever imagined. But who were those people yeah. that were uh, that took her dream away from her just because she didn't want to be sexually harassed or have a, a, a you know have a sexual relationship with somebody that she chose not to? And this is where really we have to be able to do a better job of being leaders to protect the people who we invited into our mm-hmm. organization to help us be successful. I don't give a crap that you and I are going to go back to the academy. If you cross a line that's going to affect the integrity of my organization, I got something to say about it. I don't care how close we are as friends. You're not going to utilize that to create a toxic environment in my organization. Yeah. Well, you know, we, every single one of us, not just EMS leaders. And and as you pointed out, you don't have to have rank to be a leader. Uh, but each and every one of us, the EMS professionals, uh, have a professional and ethical obligation to be our brother's keeper, plain and simple. We, we have to police our ranks 
uh, and and not only police our ranks, but support our own when, when we see injustice done to one of them. Uh, and, and no one, no one should have to pretend to be something other than themselves to get along uh, with their fellow coworkers. So yeah, back in the day, we had, we had uh, tomfoolery and shenanigans and horseplay or whatever you want to call it, whatever, whatever dated phrase that, uh, that I just used. Um, but if it, if it makes somebody else feel, uh, cast out or, or an outsider or uncomfortable in any way, that's going to be on the line, you know, and, and you, you tell yourself that, yeah, sure. We, we can all see where the line is drawn, but the line is not so blurry anymore. And sometimes people crossing the line, uh, have crossed it so many times that they can look back and not even realize where the line was. This is the kind of crap that, you know, you know, that doesn't fly. There's no way you can justify this sort of thing. It's just plain and simple evil cruelty. And and when that sort of thing goes on, those people need to be outed, drummed out of our profession thoroughly uh, and make sure that that sort of thing never, ever happens again. You know, I got to tell you, I mean, we've got to be able to take a different stance in how we respond to these types of things. One of the one of the stories that appalled me this week came out of Philadelphia, and this is an inside EMS by any means was a woman who was riding on the, the train and she was sexually assaulted on the train with onlookers and people holding up their phones. No one did no, anything. God. And, and nobody helped her. And what, what have we become? I don't know, but I got to tell you, I made the comment that, you know, I'd be making big rocks and the little rocks and little rocks in the sand. If that was me, because if I was on that train, I would have choked this guy. Yeah. Somebody uh, bought an ass whooping, but, um, I, it, it really, it really, um, was discomfort. It was uncomfortable for me to know that somebody who was weaker was being taken advantage of and people would rather, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm not going to rehash it. It's just, it's just yeah. a horrible situation, but we've got to stop, man. I mean, we know right and wrong. And I can't believe that nobody on that train knew that what was happening was inappropriate and criminal and shouldn't have been going on. But you know what? Let me take a video of it. Let me take a picture of it. And I would think, in my opinion, if I was a prosecutor, everybody who stood there and took photos or took video, I would prosecute there, as well. Yeah, I would. Yes, indeed. Accessories after the fact, whatever legal language you have to make of it, those people are culpable. But to your but, point, we, yes. we got to do a better job of doing a better job. Yeah, you see something like that and, and don't intervene. You are indeed culpable and, and you should be prosecuted right alongside the, the wrongdoer. But hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. What kind of stories and, and topics should we address in future episodes of Inside EMS? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes. And for myself and co-host Chris Cavallaro, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS, you guys. We're going to catch you next week.